0: It didn't make a window, didn't pierce through my womb into other dangerous places. It went dancing alone, unaccompanied tango, red rose in its mouth. It had nowhere to go.
1: This is the Mad River Anthology. This is Rachel Wheeler, and I'm here in the studio with Stephanie Sylvia. And she is here to read some work of her own and to talk about the Humboldt Community Breast Health Project, which is having a reading at the Beachcomber later this month. So, Stephanie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: I moved to Humboldt seven years ago from Brooklyn. I had a dance company in New York City for many years, Modern Dance. And I taught school. I taught besides bartending and waitressing, I was an elementary school teacher there and uh, since and I always wrote, have a master's in dance, and you have to do a lot of writing about art and that kind of program. And I've written poetry since I was young, and I've studied with the American poet Diane De Prima from Beat Era Fame and other other fame. <laughs> I've studied with her for about eight years. Since I'm dancing left now, dancing less, I'm writing more, and I've been. Writing, writing a lot the past few years. Articles I write for the North Coast Journal, Freelance. Some of my poetry is starting to get published here and there. One of my poems was chosen for an anthology called Women Period. Which will be available. Yes, the reading is on Sunday, September 20th at 4 p.m. at the Beachcomber in downtown Trinidad. You can't miss it. And the book will be on sale there with proceeds going to the Breast Health Project um, like a lot of other important nonprofits, they've lost a lot of funding this year. So trying to raise some money for them.
1: Well, before we hear that piece that's in that anthology, could you tell us how you became involved with the Breast Health Project?
0: Um, yes, I had cancer this year. And I want to say anyone who has cancer or knows someone in that has, it's they deal with breast cancers and gynecological cancers. Project is a very helpful place on all levels. There's counseling, there's just support, friendship, and there's medical information too. There's people there who can help you sort through a lot of your questions. They'll even look at your records. It was really helpful for me in like the most terrifying moments of my life.
1: I know they've done fundraisers before and they've done like musical concerts and stuff have they ever done a reading like this I don't know not that I know of I'm not sure also the next two
0: months are the sales for survivors where if you see the pink bright pink posters or little pink brochures there's for different days of the month, different stores are giving 10% of their sales Mm -hmm. to the Breast Health Project. And the Beachcomber does this every year, but they've coordinated it with this reading day, Mm -hmm. September 20th. So anything you buy there all day and during the reading, 10% goes to the project. And the Beachcomber is open for dinners on Sunday and Monday night. So it'll even go through dinner.
1: That's wonderful. I I just noticed one of those posters this morning at a Ramones, I think, in Arcata. And I thought, well, that is really great that there are so many local businesses behind that.
0: Can we hear the piece? That's in the anthology, yes. And it was funny because when I went, I had to go to Redwood City to a gyno-oncologist. Gynecologist-oncologist was a very new word in my life. I didn't even know they existed. And my first visit with her, and I found out I was going to be fine. I needed surgery, but I was going to be okay. Because I remember going My son, bar mitzvah for three years. She said, you'll be there. High school graduation, you'll be there. So it was a very happy day, and I got home, and the um, five copies of the anthology, my five copies, had finally come. And it's called Women, Period, and it's about women and menstruation. So it seemed kind of fitting, and I immediately sent one to her that's on her, Dr. Cato Hanlon, it's on her coffee table in her office as we speak. So it just seemed fitting that this was the first anthology I was in (laughs) was about women and bleeding. I have been. I have been the burnt good luck New Year's dumpling that splattered out of the pan of oil onto the floor. The wine that sloshed and spilled onto the white linen tablecloth passed on for generations without a stain. I have been the bruise on the avocado, the part of the banana that no one wants to eat, the piece of soap no one knows how to get rid of. I have been the lump in the breast cut out by the surgeon's hand, the mud in the sandbox where the rain has been caught. The highest note of a wolf calling to be mated. The thorn on the rose, the red drop of blood on the cotton sheet, the hook in the fish's mouth, I have been the hungry gnawing. I have been the dirty water that went down the drain, passing giant koi and baby alligators in the sewer, on my way out to the river, where I have grown. I have become the foam on the ocean wave curling toward the sun. I have risen, mist-blown from the shore onto the tip of the redwood branch. I am the golden light. I have become the golden words. I am not myself. I am the brightness and the gnawing. Yes, well, there's prose and poetry, and um, but what's going to go on in the reading that I want to mention is um, because this anthology is many people who aren't going to be there reading, I thought to ask the Amazon Writers, which is a writing and support group at the Breast Health Project. And it was funny, when I was first at the project and went to see a counselor, I was basically like, I don't want to be here. I don't have cancer. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't me, even though it was. Rebecca Settler, one of the counselors suggested the support group. But I'm like, no way. I don't need no stinking support group. I'm fine. And then my friends that would come to the hospital would say, oh, you're going to make art about this. And I'm going to be like, no way. I don't even believe now. I can't believe there's even movies with people who have cancer. Why would I want to? And they're like, oh, you are, you are. And I'm like, no, no, no. And meanwhile, I recently joined the group. And uh, it's it's remarkable. I'm so happy I did. And I'm mentioning this because at the reading, women from the group have chosen different either prose pieces or poetry to read from the anthology besides their own work. So you'll be hearing from this. And I also want to say the book's also for sale at the um, Trinidad Trading Company, which is right in downtown Trinidad too. She has She's getting the book this week, so it'll be there before the reading. So I'm going to read this by an author. So I'll read you a little of the prose piece because they're all kind of funny. Uh, many of them are funny. By Ashley Rye, who is... From Nashville, Tennessee, and she's appeared in The Trunk and Generation X Journal. Learning to be girly, a period piece. You have got to go in there and tell him, my mom said. I'd rather die, I replied with the melodrama of a teenager. This debate lasted five minutes and ended with my mother getting her way. I had to tell my brother that I'd had my first period. She won the argument by pointing out that we shared a bathroom and she didn't want to see blood on the toilet seat and think his bowel movements were the cause. My brother's record-setting sit-downs usually demanded the attention of whoever was closest. We were expected to come in and see the fruits of his labor, ooing and aahing like we just witnessed the next coming of the Christ child. Mom knew that if my temporary embarrassment could spare her a few minutes of bathroom alarm and feigned admiration, it would well be worth it. I wasn't exactly the most educated in the workings of a woman's body. Before my mom inundated me with Judy Bloom books, I thought that a menstrual cycle was the porcelain figure of a clown in blackface riding a bike that sat on my great-grandmother's coffee table. It was pretty common that my incessant reading had caused this kind of confusion. In fact, it wasn't until I asked my mom what whores divorce were that I realized that hors d'oeuvres was actually a French word. My mother was never too shy or proper to talk about feminine wiles, but I was embarrassed at being a girl. As the only girl surrounded by a mother and male cousins, I had no problems teasing them about wet dreams and inopportune erections. Bleeding from my vagina, however, was a totally different scenario. And it goes on to having to deal with her brother. And then I wanted to read one of the other poems. And Chang, X-I-N-Fang, has been published in The Garden of Beautiful Transgressions. This is what this is from. Menstru- menstruation in the time of global warming. This February morning, no snow on the ground, but broken thermometer, air pollution, blood on the linen, early Valentine. Sandstorm in a grocery bag, lungs filled with down, trees inverted, arteries, copper wires for veins, nerves taut as harp strings. Last week it was 60 degrees here, two weeks ago, the first snow of the year. There is a terror in spring, like the terror of burning oil wells. Outside, a girl plays in the grass, her breasts budding early, like apple
1: blossoms in a greenhouse filled with light. Also available at the sale is going to be your own own collection of work, a chapbook that um, Stephanie's been putting together. And you were telling me a little bit about death poems that you've been working on. And and is that a workshop that you've been doing with... um I'll go to the death poems
0: first because they're short. And
1: the last Diane workshop
0: that I did, it actually was the weekend before my surgery, and I wasn't sure if I was going to make the workshop this year. It's held in Occidental. It's called Hanging Out and Writing, and it's at the Center for Visionary Woman. Women is the name of the— they call it a cabin, but it's a really big house in the woods that it's held at every year. The women I, I know now and we stay in touch with during the year and we've put out chapbooks together and done readings in San Francisco. And so I really wanted to go, and it wound up being the weekend before surgery. So I booked down there, and then booked back Monday to see my son. I have a 10-year-old son. And then my husband and I went back down Tuesday to see the doctor I mentioned before and have surgery. So the workshop was really weird. My, you know, I was in a very heightened state, and uh, Diane decided uh, one of the exercises were death poems. And I remember writing in my journal, is she effing kidding me? Like, no way. And another woman had had at least five people die last year, so I guess she did it for us. But I was just not interested. It actually wound up being great. Um, she read us some samurai poems. It was from the traditions of samurais reciting a haiku and some, a scroll being there to write it down before they were beheaded. And then Zen Zen masters writing their last haiku before they died. Also, maybe like um, the Apaches, It's a Good Day to Die, you know, singing their song as they go into battle. They actually wound up being very liberating, and it's one of the few times I've seen Diane correct people because it's not that kind of a workshop, but it wasn't supposed to be reflecting on death. It was what you would say as you were dying, and I wound up really enjoying doing it. So here are a couple... Honey, pay the visa bill by Sunday or you'll get charged extra. Horses came to save me. Horses came to carry me away. My life is not important, but what about the young boy? Lift me up, lift me up, I must dance. Yeah, they're quite liberating and some were just hilarious.
1: It must be hard to you know, get it into a small statement like that. About, you know, a really big idea.
0: No, they were actually, once you got over trying to reflect on death, they mm-hmm. came pretty easily. Wow. Like, we all wrote, like, ten. It was like... Wow. It was, yeah. It's not like trying to write a song. So the chapbook, what, is, what material have it's you It's called Kuchu's Small Light, and it's actually, um, again, Diane, out of the workshop, with women woman I met from the workshop, uh, we started a postcard poetry project. And there were, like, 13 names on the list, and you sent to the next person on the list. So you could write about anything you wanted. You could respond to the picture on the card. Sometimes I made cards. People made cards. Um, Or you could respond to what you got. But then the person getting it isn't who you just got a poem from. But sometimes themes came back around. The third cycle actually was my first poem about cancer. It was the third time around the list. Mm -hmm. So some of that writing. And then two workshops ago, two years ago, we started writing prose poems, which I've always enjoyed writing you know, the postcard poem gives a limited frame for the poem, although mine sometimes went across the front and and, and continued onward. And it, it gives a really limited frame. And it's great. It's a great and I would try to write them straight out without editing. And maybe later when I put them into the computer, I might have made a change. But I, I tried not to. And the prose form is the opposite. You there, there really aren't there's only the limits you you find you make for yourself. So this is a kind of those poems and the prose poems writing I was doing. And without telling the story of how I almost died because of the whole deal of not having insurance and having a regular practitioner, having a PA who I don't know why she didn't know what she was doing, I'm going to read you Stupid PA. Stupid PA, part one. PA meaning Physician's Assistant. This is a prose poem. Stupid PA almost killed me, for real killed me. I tell you, stupid PA telling me I have menopause. All my friends with menopause are just bitchy and hot, not bleeding their guts out, and waking up in the middle of the night to take four Advil because there is a knife fight going on in their stomachs. This going on for three months before my visit. Freaking idiot telling me I was exhausted for three months because I'm getting old and that's what getting older is and we all live so long now. I might probably get breast cancer and other diseases, sending me home to come back in a month because she can't finish the annual exam because I am bleeding too much. Until three weeks later, I bled everywhere, in the house, in the shower, all over the bathroom floor at home, all over the bathroom floor at school, all over the bathroom floor in the clinic because I went there. I went there instead of the emergency room because the clinic made it sound like a bad place and I didn't have insurance. Bled on the pad in their waiting room while waiting for Denise to pick me up, up to go to the hospital because I couldn't drive, because I felt woozy, and because when asked, I said I didn't need an ambulance. That same PA sitting at her desk while the nurse and I cleaned the bathroom floor on her hands and knees like I had just done in the bathroom at school on my hands and knees trying to keep the freshly flowing blood in my pants on my hands and knees until Denise came and we sat in the ER and later when the ER doctor couldn't do anything and the blood kept coming he called the gyno on call called who in the ER said we have to go to the OR or else you will bleed to death in the ER Denise so pissed about the clinic not not calling the ambulance because I could have died in her car. Stupid PA part two. Scott and I slept in the birthing center like a vacation, a hotel, so quiet, luxury nurses taking care of me, waking me up every hour to check my blood count, talking to me every time, the morphine button, Scott and I holding hands across the twin beds. You really love me, right? Not even scared, just we're done. I had surgery, the morphine button. Must have been a fibroid, but no, in the morning, blood count's still low. Might have to have more surgery. More emergency surgery. Keep hoping my blood count is high. Heather brought Lonnie to school. All this waiting. I feel fine. The doctor comes in, and it's a whole new world. Malignancy. The expert doctor down south said in these cases, no more cutting. Emergency radiation, and I have been given two more points of pints of blood. We're up to six pints now, almost all the blood in your body, and sent an ambulance crying as I say goodbye to serious young sweet nurses who are really nurse midwives. They deliver babies, not deal with people who just found out wife has cancer. In ambulance to the other hospital and I about to get radiation feel fine and there are explanations and you have to be kidding me. Just do it. Whatever you have to do. My son is nine years old. I trust you without restraint and this radiation is not to shrink the tumor but to to stop the bleeding. Who the hell gets emergency radiation anyway? And who the hell gets radiation an hour after they find out they have cancer? And who goes to the ER and hears they will die if they don't go to the OR pronto? And the stupid bitch, the cancer wasn't bad. It was operable and I'm okay. And if she had just said, hey, you're bleeding a lot all the time. Let's get you a test. I wouldn't be in the ER going to the OR or going to radiation before the tumor board even meets. I would have had the same surgery with my brilliant doctor from down south and bypassed all the rest. Cancer being dramatic enough Driving from the doctor's office Sloping hills Green gentle calm How much Gatorade does she expect me to drink Horses close flanks Nuzzling horse coat to horse coat Empty my bowels all night long Wonder if it will rain Tomorrow in the morning Cut me open, take it out Picture postcard Mottol River mouth Can it really be this beautiful there? How are we ever unhappy waiting in the waiting room scan 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 tell me the news is good tell me it's all doable i'll smile at the rain always remember to salute the sun pay homage to the trees rocks snow mosquitoes everything i have to say i didn't go to the clinic for i mean the breast health project for a while after i was better because i almost felt guilty like what i was facing and thinking the horror like i didn't need radiation or chemo after the surgery and it's all this commotion and then and all this attention and then it's gone it's really bizarre and I thought other people need that I don't I don't need that but in fact I I did need it and I'm really glad that I'm still going to them and you know and I'm not afraid to be around cancer like I thought I you know it's just like all these things you're afraid of just you don't
1: wind up being afraid anymore right cute shoes small light is the name of Stephanie's Um, collection that she's putting together for sale at the Humboldt County Breast Health Project Benefit Reading, which is September 20th. And you're going to read more pieces from that work? Here, I'll read one. My first day out after surgery with Karen.
0: The girl working at the nursery as we shopped for flower starts said, What cute shoes! Gingerly striding in my new wedgies. Cancer, what the fuck? Passed Macy's on the way back north after appointment. Seemed good time to shop for shoes. After lunching with Karen, having trouble sitting. Driving toward home, having trouble sitting. Crossing the Mad River, my horses always appear near water. The horses come and flee. The horses, my horses, the white horses, my saving grace, my magic animals, sentinels, were galloping away through the river, galloping in the other direction, rushing white water sent in all directions. Could it be I don't need them anymore?
1: So there are the cute shoes, right? And then the small light, what does that refer to? Okay. Wasn't going to be that obvious, but here
0: it is. It's actually this was in the in the it's, was in the uh, journal, okay. so it's been published. Taking off the roof, a constant companion. That's what cancer is. I couldn't feel it inside of me, but there it was in my house, in the shower, in the car, at work, at the breakfast, dinner, lunch table, in my bed at night, first thing in the morning, until miracle of miracle. Birds came, flocks of tiny birds gathered at the corners of the roof of my house. Birds hovering, fluttering, tugging at wide pieces of fabric tied to the eaves with their many tiny beaks. Birds carried the roof off the house, letting in small light.
1: The County Breast Health Project has a writers group called Amazon Writers that you belong to. I've gone twice. You've gone twice, and you have been um, working on some stuff that came out of that group so would you like to share some of that this is really funny this is about pot though but
0: we're in humboldt right we had one called swimming drowning i remember the first time i was stoned it wasn't the first time i smoked pot i did that on the back of the bus on a school field trip in eighth grade to impress leroy santos but nothing happened my friends talked about breaking your resistance, but I was scared, and I played sports in ninth grade, and those kids thought smoking pot was the same as doing, like, real drugs and not cool. So being the new kid, I played field hockey and basketball and drank beer instead at, par- at parties. Then the summer between ninth and tenth grade, my cousin's younger sister, Barbara. I lived with my cousins, who were only 25 and 30, yet they had taken me in. Her younger sister, Barbara, came from New Jersey to spend the summer at Cape Cod with us. She was 16, and everyone thought she was so totally cool. Everyone, especially my cousin, Guardian, who treated me like I was some dweeb, although I played all those sports, got straight A's, and wrote poetry. I thought Barbara was kind of slutty and druggy, but get this, my cousins wouldn't trust me to do anything. Me, who wouldn't even break her resistance, but let me go everywhere even at night with Barbara, who had her license. Well, the first task on her agenda was me getting high. We'll get you to smoke a whole Z and you'll break your resistance. At least, first in her agenda wasn't me losing my virginity. Well, I don't think we smoked a whole Z, but we smoked a lot. It was all justified because my idiot cousins didn't trust me, but they trusted me with slutty fast Barbara, so I was going to show them and do everything bad. We got stoned on the beach in the dark. I believe for real there was a full moon out, or at least near full because it was so dark and so bright. I had my purple halter bikini on, God, I love that suit, from swimming earlier in the day. But she said, no, let's go skinny dipping. And I was stoned, and it was glorious. We swam out to the floating dock offshore and climbed up. I felt each glistening drop of water in every open humming pore of skin. The stars etched every blood cell. Every time I dove in, I looked back as I swam and could not believe how far I had dove from the dock. How many strokes it took me to get back and dive all over again. At home, we demolished leftover po- potato and macaroni salad from our dinner barbecue. Barbara's older sister, Millie, the 25-year-old guardian cousin, stupidly asked, what's going on with you guys? Why don't you just use shovels? As we laughed hysterically.
1: Thank you, Stephanie, for being on the show. Again, we're talking about a benefit reading coming up, the Humboldt Community Breast Health Project is putting on at the Beachcomber Cafe in Trinidad on September 20th at 4 p.m. And Stephanie will be reading, and she will have copies of her own chat book there, as well as this uh, anthology called Women, Period. And
0: the members of the Amazon writers will also be reading some yeah. members of the group. Yes, so we hope lots of you come. There'll be poetry and prose and lots of goodies that they serve at the Beachcomber.
1: Yes, 10% of which will go to the Humboldt Community Breast Health Project. Yes, thank you, Rachel. My guest has been Stephanie Sylvia. She's been reading from her collection of poems that she'll be reading at the Humboldt Community Breast Health Project benefit on September 20th at 4 p.m. at the Beachcomber Cafe in Trinidad. If you have any questions about that, you can call them at 825-8345. And that number, again, is for the Humboldt Community Breast Health Project. You've been listening to the Mad River Anthology. The engineer was Emily Creven. I'm Rachel Wheeler. If you have questions or comments about this program, please call our listener comment line at 826-6089. On our blog, an online archive of past programs can be found at madriveranthology.wordpress.com. The show is also available in iTunes. The Mad River Anthology airs the second and fourth Sundays of the month at 10 p.m. and is produced for KHSU located at Humboldt State University in Arcata, California.